And we've been going through First Thessalonians. Um, Mark covered the first chapter last night, and or not last night, but last Sunday. And um, I'm going to be covering the second chapter. Um, we're just kind of going to rip through it. We're going to cover the first, um, first through thirteen, one through thirteen, um, the verses, and then um, we're just going to kind of bring it home. It's kind of a Paul's model for ministry. Um, as we get into it, um, let's just read it and let's pray over the word and let's get into the thick of it um, as we kind of dissect and, and pull away um, the layers of what God's trying to teach us and, and has taught me over this this past week. Um, so First Thessalonians 2, For you yourselves know, brethren, that um, our coming to you is not in vain. But even after we have suffered before and were spiritually tre- uh, spitefully treated uh, at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from our error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. Covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our own lives because you have become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are a witness and God also. How devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, we were exhorted and comforted and charged, every one of you, <clears throat> as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Father, we just we just pray a, a blessing over your word tonight. We 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 receive it um, not as a word, um, not as a message about you, Father, but it is a message from you. Um, we we recognize that it is this 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 word, this Bible, this scripture that we read is God breathed. This is something that um, we know to be true and is inherently factual. Um, Father, we thank you for this. Use me and guide me. Um, as I as I explain to them what you have told me all week, all these things we pray, Amen. Cool. So as I said before, First uh, Thessalonians two is kind of a model of ministry, um, kind of broken down into three parts. It, it talks about one courage um, that it takes to be a ministry, two a tenderness to be a ministry, and three an integrity to be a ministry. Um, for most of you, I, I'm not I'm not sure because I don't know all of you, but you might not think that well. You know, this is where I'm, this is not where I'm going. This is not where my sights are set. I'm not going to be heading into ministry. I might go to church. This might be my my faith, but I'm not going to be ministry full time. This is not where I am. Well, biblically, as Christians, you're all in ministry. You're all in ministry because it is by you that people see the testimony of your faith and they see God. As Christians, if this is who you proclaim to be, a follower of Christ. And even even some some of you are parents here, and and you are you are pastors, you are ministers to your children. You speak into their lives. If you if you work somewhere, which which hopefully someday all of us will, <laughs> your coworkers that will be your ministry. You will be speaking. Your life will be a testimony to him to them about how a Christian should live and shouldn't live. Um, 
so one thing about ministry, and it's not something that is um, shouted a lot um, from the pulpit, but that ministry is, is serving, and in some place it is, I definitely think here, but ministry itself and a pastor and a minister, all that, all that titles mean is head servant, right? It means, it means a servant to all, a servant as much, because we're, we're to mirror Jesus as he came and he lived and he died and he was here. What did he do as he was here? He was a servant. Through and through, he was a servant, enough that he would die, right? So kind of give, kind of jumping into the First Thessalonians, um, I'm kind of giving you a background. Um, as, as Mark brought up the, the, the first chapter, but this is um, Paul directly addressing the church in uh, Thessalonica. Um, as uh, he was there for about three Sabbaths, and you know, there's kind of back and forth on how long exactly it is, but it was, it was for sure that it was a short time. And so, in that short time, he he went he went to where the Pharisees were, where where religion was preached. He went to the town square and and he preached the gospel. And there was converts, there was converts of the Jewish faith, and there was also Greek um, converts as well. And it was really cool to see this blossoming church that kind of came out of nowhere. But, but, but um, you see as Paul labored and toiled and he was genuine in his pursuit of these people and therefore this church w- was born. And it wasn't through Paul, it was through the Lord working through Paul. That's important to note. Um, but the thing was is that the Pharisees are the ones that drove him out. And then in that time when he was away, he got word about the church in Thessalonica that... Um, that the Pharisees were, 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 were springing up these, these false testimonies. Essentially, that, um, that Paul was a certain way and that he was a ministry. Look, look, he, he, he's not here for you. Where is he? He's gone. And, and we'll get that um, as we break down the verses. Um, and, uh, but the thing is, is that he, 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 Paul, in the first six verses, he kind of responds to these accusations. Um, but, but take note that Paul has nothing to apologize for. Um, the reason that he is addressing these disqualifications is that um, because if what we're saying to, was to be true, this would disqualify his testimony. Um, not because he was insecure in any way about his ministry. He didn't care if he lived or died, and that was evident throughout the scriptures. Um, but as we go, we're going we're gonna to break down courage and the tenderness and integrity it takes to be in ministry as we see Paul's life and we see Paul's um, ministry develop in, in Thessalonica. So as we jump into the, to the first verse, it says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. So for you yourselves know, brethren. So, so you, brethren, you church, you friends, you family, you, you are, the, <laughs> you justify the means. You, you, you are proof that for what I did and why I came was not in vain. It was not for naught. It was not for nothing. The church themselves were the testimony of Paul, Paul's validity. Um, and as, and as um, we, we looked at to verse 2, we, we, we see Paul give, kind of give a background. But even after we had suffered before and we were spitefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. So, so, so it kind of gives back before he was in Thessalonica, before he started this church, before he started preaching, he was in Philippi. And, and this was one of um, Paul's major journeys. Um, Thessalonica was part of it, so was Philippi. Um, I kind of wanted to give you a little bit of context why he, why he um, directly quotes Philippi, because it's a pretty amazing and astonishing story. So I wanted to go into Acts 16, um, and I jumped to verse 25, or uh, verse 22. 
Um, Then it says, the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison's door opened, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Cyrus, what must I do to be saved? Or sirs, sorry, not Cyrus. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, and you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all to her in the house. And he took them um, to the hour of night and washed their stripes. So essentially, Paul w- w- was beaten for, for um, the work that he was doing in Philippi. And then he was thrown in jail. I mean, he was literally torn to shreds. I mean, he was, he was beaten with stripes and rods. Uh, he was beaten with rods um, to stripes on his back. were literally profusely bleeding, um, him and Silas. And, and going into verse 2, back to, to 1 Thessalonians, um, Paul was he was still bleeding. I mean, he was, he was still scabbed on his back. He was still bleeding through his garments as, as he preached. This, this wasn't a dude that, <laughs> that was there, just, just <laughs> what was in question, because the nature of where Thessalonica was, it was a port city. Um, it, was a, it was a melting pot for different religions. It was a melting pot for, for different um, fast talkers. Um, this, is, this is the way that people got money. This is the way people got sex. This is the way people got power. Um, and they manipulated the environment. They manipulated the crowds um, because they were, they were, it, it wasn't truth. But the thing was is that Paul was literally like fumbling into town bleeding everywhere. And he's like, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> let me tell you about Jesus. And um, The thing about Paul that this wasn't this wasn't a, a unique instance um, when when he was beat to a pulp. Um, it, it would seem that the way that Paul lived his right was just outright um, extreme. <laughs> he was sold out. Um, wherever he went, there was there was revival or riot. Wherever he went, there was revival or riot. And literally people would get saved in droves or they would beat him to a pole and they'd throw him out. And typically Paul would get thrown out and he'd just come back in and he'd just <laughs> hobble back in and just be like, let me tell you about Jesus. Um, and, you know, to kind of give that in a modern day perspective, like how, how much more weight would a pastor have? How much more weight would a minister have or a missionary have if he came in and he was still bleeding? Um I think of my, my my parents run a ministry in Uganda, and and um, the pastor who started it there, Pastor Dongo Bethel Dongo, he was um, he was a victim. He was a victim during the during the time when the ILRA were were kidnapping children back in the seventies. Um, different dynamic, but but he was he was there through the civil wars, and um, there was a point when he was running for his life with his family, and, and three of his fingers were shot off. Um, 
And obviously, when, when he came to the States and he was talking about children and he was talking about um, in, investing in, in the people and the Christians over there, um, his hand wasn't bleeding, but the scars were there. Something that made it so much more real is that he had a hand that was missing fingers. How much more would it be that when you see Paul who's speaking, um, giving testimony to the gospel, that, that he is bleeding and he's still like, I love Jesus and this is what I'm saying is true. The thing is, is that this wasn't, we're, we're speaking directly into Paul's courage right now. And this is one of the points that I wanted to make. It was directly into Paul's courage. And um, this wasn't something that came easy to Paul, but he trusted in the Lord. This wasn't a natural response for him to just, hey, God, I'm just going to go risk my life today. And it seemed day in and day out that Paul was risking his life. First Corinthians 2, 3 said, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. This is when he was in, in, in front of the city of Corinth. And then again in 2 Corinthians 7, 5, in front of Macedonia, he said, For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side, and outside were conflicts, and inside were fears. Paul felt fear. Paul felt fear, and it was something that was real, but it was something that when, when we're in ministry and then we're going to talk to someone and then we're going to talk to a roommate or a coworker or that we feel led to talk to someone about Jesus, you, you, you're going to have that, that moment of fear that you're going to have to overtake, that you're going to have to trust in the Lord to, to give you words. Um, <laughs> I'm here right now, and to be honest, I was a little scared. <laughs> um, it's, it's been a while. I, I spoke back in September, and before that, it had been years um, since I spoke. Um, as as the Lord, you know, was just kind of weaving me in and out uh, of of my relationship with Him, and, and I was I was struggling and I was wrestling with the Lord. Um, he, he brought me to different places, and He brought me to different deserts to teach me different things. Um, one of those was was in North Dakota, and and I. And I, and I was literally surrounded by darkness. And I, I don't know how else to explain it. I was working on an oil rig, and I know that sounds terrible to most of you. Um, but it was what it was, and I had the opportunity to, to go there and to pay off some, some, some debt um, that I accumulated from school. But it was literally depravity. It was unlike anything I had ever known, anything that I've seen. You know, it's something that you might get accustomed to watching movies, but it was like literally... Um, We'd have the weekends off, and I was there, and I was living there, and literally sometimes I'd be asked, hey, let's go up to Canada, let's get some prostitutes. Hey, let's go get drunk this weekend. You want to drop some acid? Don't worry, they won't drug test us. They won't drug test us. Literally, on my crew, so you have a crew of four guys, <laughs> the three of the guys were using consistently, and I was the only one that wasn't using, and they would literally drug test me all the time, <laughs> no one else on the crew because I knew that I wasn't using. <laughs> it was just the nature that I was in, and I can't say that I led this huge revolution. I can't say that I walked in and, and, and I just preached the gospel. No, I, I let I tried to to lead by example and 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 in those moments um when you're when you're building a team and and, and you're struggling with these guys, your your life is literally on the line. You have to know that you can trust these guys to the point where, where you're, when your life is on the line, that you know that you can rely on that person to do their job so that the rest of the team doesn't die. And it's in those moments that it's in the trenches that you, you grow close with people, regardless of your background, regardless of your religious um, leanings or political leanings. 
or what you believe about God. You get close to people or you, or <laughs> you fall apart and they change out a member who's dysfunctional. That's just the way it works. They had a process of, of really bullying to make sure that you're up to the task. And they'd, they'd look for your buttons. They'd look for your buttons and what, what, what would set you off? They'd talk about your family. They'd talk about your faith. They'd talk about your tendencies. One time I got asked if I was, you know, couldn't wait to get home to sleep with my girlfriend. I said, I don't, I, we don't sleep together. And it was like the, the world stood still for a second, <laughs> you know, in those guys' eyes because they were literally like, what do you mean you don't sleep with her? You've been with her for three years. I said, no, that's, that's not what we're about. I, I, I fully believe that, that I'm going to have a better marriage because of it, and I fully believe that I don't want to have sex outside of marriage. And to be honest, my testimony was that I have had it and, and that, that I've done it in college and that I messed up in college and that this was where I was at. And, and it was a point where when I got real with Jesus, when I got real with Jesus, that I was living with my girlfriend. And, and I grew up in the church. I was here. But it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. My faith was not my own. <sighs> my faith was, was my mother's. <laughs> and it encompassed me. And, and I got right with Jesus in this church that met in a basement with 15 people. Because they brought the gospel in a genuine way that I've never heard it before. See, I was, I was naturally suspicious to the gospel. I was naturally suspicious to the church. Organized religion wasn't my thing. I've heard that tune from, from multiple different people um, around this age group, even from some of you guys. And organized religion wasn't my thing. I just, I, I love Jesus, man. I don't need church. I love Jesus, you know? And um, <laughs> I was so wrong. I was so wrong, and, 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 I, and as, I, as I swirled swirled downwards, it was for, for a year and a half that um, I was indulging in my, my life, and it's not that I far, fell that far, but I mean, really, I was, I was gone, and any testimony that I had was gone, and the thing was is that people knew that I still called myself a Christian, but I was living a different way. And the thing was is that I had a pastor... Um, basically say to me that you have, you have two choices, one that's going to lead to death and one that's going to lead to life. There's no in-between. And, and, and it wasn't just that. It wasn't that just I call it. I, I, I reestablished my relationship with the Lord because I had given my life to the Lord. But this was, this was me genuinely away from my parents, away from um, any, any, any um, gosh, what is the word I'm looking for? Influences. I was me on my own. I was in another state completely. I was me on my own, and I, I needed Jesus. I needed Jesus desperately. And, and you know who showed me that? I w- w- was one of my dudes who, who was recently in my wedding. I just got, uh, wedding. I just got married. Oh, my gosh, I can't talk. I need water. Um, I just got married in November, and, and one of my dudes who, who stood up with me um, to be one of my groomsmen that night was a dude that, that took me aside and said, I'm, I'm devoted to you. And not, not in those verbiage, that'd be weird. Um, I'm just like, hey man, hey man, you <laughs> just like, I love you. Um, but literally he was, he was like, man, I, I want to meet with you. I want to know what you're about. I, w- I want to dive into what, what you're about. And, and we started meeting for coffee and I, and I got plugged in with his Bible study and, and he endeavored 
to do ministry with me. He, he, it wasn't that he was just he was just throwing things I should do on a weekly basis. Like we kind of come to church and we're like, all right, got my got my nugget, got my nugget for the week, and and I know what to do. I don't know how to apply it. I got it. No, he's like, man, you got my number now. Use it. Because I see that you're in the trenches and that you're trying to crawl your way out. So let me help you. I'm going to jump down in the trenches with you and I'm going to help you dig yourself out and rely on the Lord. Ministry's messy. Ministry's dirty. Anyone that's going to tell you otherwise is wrong. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. <clears throat> My father-in-law. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, as we get back to the text, um, just looking at ministry firsthand from Paul, Paul was threatened continually with death to the point where he saw eternity. He got caught up into the third heaven and, and to the point where he said he couldn't describe what was going on there. But the thing is that Paul lived his life recklessly abandoned for his own welfare. He preached the gospel not thinking about anything that was going to happen to him in the present because his eyes were fixed on eternity. His eyes were fixed on eternity. In Philippians um, one twenty one is one of my favorite verses. It says, "To live for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For literally for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's nothing that I'm going to gain in this world that's going to supersede Christ in my relationship with Christ. So why not put him at the top and realize that the reward comes after this life? Paul, Paul took courage and, and he grew in his courage because he kept stepping into the arena. He kept trusting in the Lord and he kept knowing that the Lord had his back and that his life was on God's time and not on his time. Paul could take courage because he had the right message and he had the right motive. Uh, verse 3 says, For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. Again, he's just speaking to his accusers, the accusations that have been talked to him, talked about him. Um, there's, there's no moral or there's no moral error. There's no uncleanness. His motives were pure, um, and in this time, in this century, in this place, specifically Thessalonica. There's a lot of people, uncleanness um, talks specifically to, to sexual purity. Um, there's a lot of speakers that use this to basically get sexual favors. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Um, he, this wasn't what he was about. This was something that he wanted to address first and foremost, that um, what I'm doing here and what I'm preaching was was righteous. And again, he is not apologizing and he is not defending his testimony only... Um, he, the only reason he's defending his testimony is so that it would be um, made pure in the eyes of the church that is existing there. Does that make sense? I'm kind of tripping over my words here. Um, but, but what? You're tracking me? I appreciate it, Brett. Um, but, but this speaks specifically, and deceit specifically speaks to those of us in ministry who want to... to um, and I, I don't say want, I say we have a tendency to deceive or kind of 
change the truth a little bit. We exaggerate, tell those fish stories. It gets bigger every time. And as, as we ministry, our, our testimony gets a little bit crazier every time we tell it. It gets a little bit crazier, yeah. Dude held me at gunpoint, and I was like, I love Jesus. <laughs> and he's like, me too. I dropped the gun. And no. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Um, <laughs> but it's, the word says, trust in God, and he will supply you the words. Ask, and you shall receive wisdom. Have the courage to step out in faith. Have the courage to talk to those people that God has led you to, to talk to. And God will give you the wisdom. God will give you the words. The gospel will speak for itself. And if you fail, try again. If you fail, try again. This is what ministry is. It's, it's being consistent and loving someone. As we look into verse 4, um, we, see, we see the approval of God to actually be ministers of Christ is important. It says, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. See, see, as Christians, we were chosen, and don't, don't, don't murky the waters. The Lord knew us before we were born. He knew exactly what our tendencies and if we, if we were going to reciprocate the love that he gave to us. Um, it was approved by God so that we were entrusted with the gospel so that we could, be sh- that we could share it. This is an honor because this isn't just a word about God. This is, this is something that I said in the beginning. This is, this is a word from God. This is a word from God. This is God breathed. Scripture is from God. It's not a word about God. That's important to note. And we, we are the ones that hold the truth. We are the ones that hold the word from God. It's important to know that. Looking into verse 5, um, for neither at any time do we use flattering words as you know nor a cloak for covetousness. I hate that word. God is witness. I've been saying that over and over again. Covetousness, covetousness, covetousness. Uh, anyways, um, again, addressing accusations about him. Um, again, these were these speakers that were that were smooth tongued. They were they were silver tongued. They, they 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 could speak well and they could they could rally you up. I just I just think of the motivational speakers that are they're telling you the five step plan to a better life or the five step plan to to be a millionaire, the five step ten step plan to a healthy relationship with your spouse. That lead to nothing. <laughs> you invest all your time into something that's man-made, and it ultimately leads to nothing. And it might work for a little while, but it's, if it's not grounded in the truth, if it's not grounded in the Bible, it, it leads to nothing. And so here he's he's speaking that I didn't I didn't just come to say this with flattering words. I didn't mean to build up your ego. I didn't mean to, to bring a cloak. I didn't mean to mask you with covetousness. I wasn't after your money. It wasn't after the fame. Nor did we seek glory from men, as it says in, in, in verse 6, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. We didn't seek the glory. We didn't seek the position, the power, that some people that, that you see even pastors nowadays that, that choose to try and climb that ladder to have the biggest church we talked about earlier in the service today, Sunday morning. I really encourage you guys to come Sunday morning too because it seems more often than not that the morning directly influences the evening <laughs> as it should um, or that there's an element in which is talked about in both services and it's cool to see. Um, but the glory for men 
was not what they sought after. And even as apostles of Christ, they could have made demands and they could have asked for, for, for money and they could have asked for to, to be wined and dined. But the thing was is that they were um, after these people's hearts. They were in it for the ministry. They were in it for salvation, to spread the good news for gospel. He wasn't expecting to give or receive anything in return. This speaks directly into tenderness as, as the first six chapters were kind of speaking to the courage and kind of his integrity as I, as I talked about the, the elements of being a minister um, speaks directly to uh, having courage and having tenderness and having integrity are the kind of the key elements. Um, but as we look at, at verse 7, he t- kind of takes a different tune. He's no longer responding to the accusations against him. He says, but we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. It's important to note that, that, that Paul takes a different angle on this. He, 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 he recognizes that these are spiritually young people. Um, that, that that need spiritual parents. That's just that's just the nature of ministry. It's, it's discipling. It's investing in people. It's loving on people, no matter where they're at. But the thing about a mother is that they give 365 days a year, 24 seven, to their child. Right? I mean, at least they should. <laughs> um, and the thing is, is that as they're waking up in the middle of the night, as they're taking care of this, uh, let's say a baby, and they're changing their diaper, etc. They're, they're not expecting to, to receive something in return. They just love this child. There's a tenderness to it. Um, ministry is not a nine-to-five job. If you work at a church, it's, you, you realize that it's not a nine-to-five job. People have your numbers, and guess what? If you're in ministry, they're going to they're gonna know that you're at, you're at their beck and call whenever they want. And <laughs> not to say that we always respond, unfortunately. But the thing is, people consistently reach out and consistently want to talk, and consistently have problems. Everyone's got problems. But the thing is, is that just because we're on staff here at the church doesn't mean that we're the only ones that you should go to. You should have a fellowship around you of like-minded believers that can encourage you and strengthen you because we're all called to be ministers, and that means at different times we're going to speak to different people about different things. But ultimately, it's going to bring glory to the Lord because that's what he calls us to do. And, and as I said before, I'm, I'm going to fail at ministry. But the thing was, is that even, even as Paul, we look, at, we look at Paul, all he was trying to do was mirror Jesus when he was on the planet, when he was on this earth. See, Paul's ministry took place after Jesus had died and rose again. But Paul failed. We kind of hold Paul up on this pedestal because he, he lived this life that seemed to be beyond reproach, but consistently he was a sinner. He wasn't the Savior. But he tried to mirror the life to the best of his ability of the, the one true God, the one true Savior, the Christ. Leading into verse 8, So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also of our own lives. We were well to we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives because you have become dear to us. This again speaks to the, the, the tender uh, motherly nature that, that Paul thought about when he thought about the church in Thessalonica. 
because he endeavored to know them on an individual level. He endeavored to love them on an individual level, on a personal level. It was more than just sharing the gospel. It was doing life with them. I know it's so cliche, but it's true. It was doing life with them. It was day in and day out. And even though it was short-lived, it was genuine. And, and because it was so genuine in that small span of time, the church thrived. Because they, they, they took Paul's word not to be his own, but a word from God. And they took it as truth. And we'll get more to that later. Um, verse 9, it says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might be, not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. See, see, Paul gave of himself, and it kind of speaks to the last verse, but Paul gave of himself um, not only the gospel, but, but his tendencies, and, and he was, he was um, he was genuine with them. He was transparent. That's the word I was looking for. He was transparent with them, with his struggles, what he was going through, as any, as any pastor should. Be willing to be honest with you to meet with you on your level and understand where you're coming from. Despite having any, any experience in the area that you're struggling with, being able to, to meet and talk with you where you're struggling is so important. There's an aspect of, of um, counseling that, that's, that is so often overlooked that is just absolutely draining when it comes to ministry, but that's just what we're called to do. Um, the thing was is that he labored day and night and, and as I said he was he was committed but the thing is he rose early in the morning and he was late at night it doesn't matter when it was he was consistently going and going and going and preaching the gospel so that it wouldn't be a burden to anyone that couldn't make one end of the, the sermon um, but as I said before ministry is about serving ministry is about engaging ministry is about Endeavoring to meet people where they're at. And, and again, the role of a head pastor, the role of a head minister is to be the head servant. Um, any of us up here, we, we, just, we just have a, a feel a calling to serve in whatever capacity the Lord calls us to. And that's something that you each individually have to pray about. You each individually have to seek the Lord about where he's called, where he's called you to speak and where he's called you to be quiet. That takes discernment, that takes prayer. Verse 10, you are a witness, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. See, Paul lived a life that drew other people to Jesus. He lived blamelessly, devoutly, which means pure, which, which is a reference to purity. Justly is a fairness in character. Blamelessly is without fault. No accusation, nothing, nothing of merit. Um, Paul's ministry was marked by integrity. And though I said before that um, he wasn't Jesus, he wasn't the Christ, he was still pursuing to be Christ-like. And he was marked by integrity. Where does integrity come from? It's, it's, it's directly linked to, to, to character. And what's, what's the difference between morality, knowing what your morals are, and, and character? Um. 
This is something that, that Rob actually shared with me earlier. It's a story about of a young child, little Johnny, let's say. He comes home from school and he says, Mommy, Mommy, all the kids were, were making fun of Susie today. They were calling her fat. Or mucky. They were, they, were, they were just relentless. They were so brutal. And, 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 and I chose not to join in. I chose not to join in. Aren't you proud? And she said, yes, Johnny, I am proud. But the thing is, is that to abstain from joining in is, is, is the moral thing to do. But Johnny, when, when, you, when you tell the people to stop, when you step in between the line of fire, that's character. That's what character is. It's stepping into it. See, we, we all know the moral principles. We all come here to, to, to receive and to understand in a deeper way what morality is and what we should and shouldn't do. But the thing is, are we going to act upon it? Are we actually going to step in and have character? Or are we just going to receive and receive and receive and get spiritually bloated as we sit in our chairs? And, and I'm, I'm definitely guilty of it too. It takes, it takes someone who's truly after God's own heart to have character in this world. Verse 11, as you know, we were exhorted and comforted and charged. Every one of you as a father does his own children. Now he kind of, he flips gears here. And, and, and first it was kind of that motherly attribute that you're supposed to have in ministry. It's that tender, loving care that you're supposed to say, everything's okay and I love you and, and everything's going to be okay. Let's just rely on Jesus and that's important. That's an important aspect of ministry. But the thing is, is that there's also the aspect of, of, of a father um, that's supposed to speak in, that's supposed to charge you, that's supposed to bring wisdom. There's an aspect of, of kind of harshness when, when you're hurt and, and, and you fall on the ground and you cut yourself, you, you run to your mom, you don't run to your dad typically because you know that they're going to take care of you. The dad is the one that's going to shut up, <laughs> wipe it off, rub some dirt on it. Um, <laughs> um, but as the, the breakdown goes, it, um, Paul says, as, as, as how we exhorted, exhorted is to call to one side. It's, it's to call alongside. Come alongside me. Come alongside me. I'll show you the way. Come alongside me. Exhort. And to comfort, but not in the way as a mother does. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's to console over failure. Like you went out and you tried. And you're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And this is, we're going to game plan. And now he's going to go into charging. He's going to go out and charging. That's, a, that's, a, that's an action. It's a charge to go out and speak to the speak the gospel and share the gospel to swiftly and sternly walk with the Lord. He charges us to to walk with the Lord. It's a multifaceted approach, and, and so often um, in the church we, we we have this tender, loving care, and we're like we want to accept everyone and we want to love everyone, and we just we want to, and we we just want to love on you, and we want to pray on you, and there's absolutely an importance of that. But there's also the other element where, where we're not just giving to you. We're not just the place of, of rest for you to be, but we're also challenging you to get out into the world and spread the good news. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. There's an element of church. There's an element of teaching. There's an element of the gospel that makes you uncomfortable, and that's, that's a good thing. That's something that you should look into. That's something that you should dig into more. Because where are you uncomfortable in your life right now? I know a lot of us, comfort is a, is, a, is a 
you know, it's, it's nice. We live in a nice area. Thousand Oaks, I think, is the 13th wealthiest city in the nation, if you guys didn't know. Um, we live in an area of affluence. It's, 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 it's an area where we don't necessarily need God. And that sounds terrible, but in our comfortability, we can, we can make it without God. It's not like we're going day to day without food. We're not held at gunpoint. Yet around the world, Christendom, Christians, are the most persecuted grouping of people that the world sees right now. Our martyrs consistently, every single day, people are getting killed for their faith, and, and we have a tough time deciding where we're going to eat tonight. There's, there's a call to action here in, in verse 12 that said that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You're supposed to walk in a way <coughs> that represents the kingdom. You're supposed to walk in a way that would identify you as a Christian, that as a follower. As I, saw, as I said before, Paul Paul's life, the way that in which he lived, led people to Christ. Just the way in which he lived led people to Christ. This is the goal of our ministry is to be an example, have a practical living, meet our spiritual standards. As a result, um, we see the genuine testimony um, in verse 13, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it in truth. The word of God, which is also effectively works in you who believe. Let me read that again. For the reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you have heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as truth, the word of God. They were evidence. They were, they were the evidence against the people that were saying and accusing Paul of being ingenuine. Because they, they, they took the gospel, they took the word of God that was being preached by Paul and his followers, and, and they, they took it as the word of God, as I said before. This is important to note, is as in truth the word of God. It was the fruit of their actions. It was the fruit of their actions, and Paul was overjoyed. He was pushed out by the Pharisees. He was pushed out by the Pharisees, but when he heard how well the church in Thessalonica was doing, he was overjoyed because they were pursuing the Lord, and he, and he, he was fond of them. He, he endeavored with them. He knew them personally. It wasn't just a group of people. It wasn't just a church plant, and he was out. He established a structure and, and he was gone. No, he loved these people like a family. Um, again, as I said before, um, and it's going to be a shorter night tonight, just as, as I'm, I'm going to ask the band to come up. Um, but Paul wasn't the Christ, he's not the Savior. He had his shortcomings. He looked to mirror the life of Jesus, and the Lord used him mightily because of this. See, Jesus left heaven voluntarily, ridiculed, rejected, killed, stood up against the religious establishment, did so with courage, tenderness, integrity. 
See, it's Jesus is the example that we're looking to. Jesus is the example that we should try and follow, that we should try and mirror. Paul is the one that lives beyond reproach, or at least in most cases that we see in Scripture. But the thing is, Paul continually wrestled with himself. He had a thorn in his side, which we are not exactly. Um, he doesn't explain in full what that meant, but it's something that he had to deal with because of his own sin. Remember that Paul's ministry standard was, was, was courage and tenderness and integrity. If you call yourself a Christian, but your life doesn't resemble that, you probably need to reconsider your priorities. Love God, love others, it's simple. Yet the world makes it complex. Water gets murky, especially when there's affluence, especially when there's a lot of money around, especially when there's a lot of things that can distract us. Your words hold weight, and whether you know it or not, people are watching your life and the way in which you live it. Because you're here tonight, because you call yourself Christians, you have the people groups or the people that you're in, I'm sorry, the groups in which you're in and the people that you hang around, whether that be your coworkers, whether that be the people that you live with, whether that be your family, they're watching you. Because you're here tonight, because you're a Christian, that you call yourself Christian. For those of you that call yourself Christians, and the thing is, is that your life is a testimony to what Christ is about. And, and, and in your failure, if you can't express to them your, your failings, and you can't be honest with them in your failings, you can start playing. Um, <laughs> sorry. Then, um, your testimony is for not. But the thing is, is that the Lord works it for good for those who love him. Don't waver, don't give up. Pray together. It's a charge. There's it's a multifaceted thing that we do in ministry. It's it's to love on each other in truth and love. We don't we don't waver in the truth and 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 we don't compromise in the truth. Right? Because we know the truth to be absolute. It's a scary word in our day and age, but it's absolutely true. This is what the scripture is. We don't compromise, but the thing is, don't let your application of the truth compromise your ability to love. Um, we engage in different arenas. We engage in different areas that we're called. There's something specific to your life. There's a reason that you're on this planet. Know that. God had formed you in the womb. He knit you together in the womb. There's something to that. You have experiences that no one else has. Your life has never been lived before and it will never be lived again. But the thing is, is that you have a purpose and there's a calling on each and every one of your lives. All you have to do is respond to it and you dig in and you get dirty and you get messy because that's what we're called to do. We're not supposed to live for ourselves, but we're supposed to live for others to glorify God, bring glory to his name. As we remember um, the cross tonight, as we're, as we're taking uh, communion, I, I ask you before you do that, you come before the Lord and, and you, you, you be genuine, you be honest with him. 
in your failings, in your, in your shortcomings? Where there were instances where, where you felt that nudge to talk to someone about Jesus, but you kind of held back because you're like, ah, it's not convenient, or, oh, this isn't the right time, or oh, I'm busy. Or, oh, that's going to that's gonna, that's gonna muddy the water in our relationship. Endeavor to love people as Christ did. And as Paul, as Paul did, as we see in the text. Um, know that, that, that Christ dying was for you, but it was for all mankind. The world needs to know that the gospel needs to be preached and needs to be spoken. Figure out a way to do that. If you have questions, if you have um, anything that's bothering you about, about what Scripture says, this is why we're here. This is why we, we do what we do. This is why we're in a church. We wrestle together. Um, but know that um, as, as you endeavor to you, as you endeavor to intellectually understand the Word of God, that, that you're missing out in the application of the Word. And know that there's a world out there that needs to be reached in a genuine way. See, I got, I got saved out of church. I grew up in church. I, I, I grew up, in, and, and as I grew up, there was three major scandals with the head pastors in the churches that I grew up with. And each time, our family left, and each time our family left, and I was numb. My conscience was seared towards Christianity, and I get it. I, I believed in God. But until you meet Jesus face to face, until you see the genuineness of what the gospel is talking about, then I dare say, what is your Christianity? Why do you call yourself a follower of God? Because you're in church. That doesn't make sense. I'm glad you guys are here tonight. But understand that your relationship with the Lord is, is your, has to be your priority in this life. So as we take communion and, and we wrestle with the Lord and we talk with the Lord and, and we speak with the Lord, we lay our lives down at his feet and we take the bread and the, and, and the wine or the juice as a remembrance of his broken body and his blood that was shed for us specifically. Father, Father, we, en- we endeavor to know the truth. We endeavor to, to show love, Lord, um, Jesus, we, we, we just ask that this is something that we would apply to in this week. This is something that we would um, endeavor to use consistently, Lord, that we would endeavor with people, that your heart is after people, Lord. I pray that you would fill us and that you would guide us and that um, you would strengthen us, Father, not just strengthen us, but to be our strength and be our sustenance, Lord, as we are um, nudged towards talking with someone or, or endeavoring with someone. Um, opening up that conversation for the first time about you, Lord, about the gospel, that uh, you would give us the wisdom and you would give us the strength to do so. We love you and we praise you.